One guy's seen it, the other guy hasn't. First guy's gonna tell the second guy all about it. While they both get drunk. All right, welcome to One Guy's Seen It, the only podcast where one guy has seen the movie, the other guy has not seen the movie, and the first guy is going to try to convince the second guy to see the movie, and if he succeeds, they'll take a break, watch the movie, come back, nerd out about the movie, and decide how many beers you need to enjoy the movie, all while getting progressively more inebriated, because that is what they choose to do with their sentience, and without any further ado, rigmarole, hoopla, or ballyhoo, Let's get into it, Sumner. Give me the skinny. How goes it, my friend? <laughs> it goes well. I um, yeah. Thanks for showing up uh, an hour, hour late. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ! <laughs> you know Pardon it's funny because we were just talking about this before. I thought that the day was yesterday, and I called you, and uh, and and I was like, oh shit, I made the wrong day, and then you just made fun of me relentlessly for about 20 minutes <laughs> and so i was so happy hey. when you i called you and you were like hey man what's going on i was, I was like, late as hell piece of hey. shit there is nothing more challenging than two stoner movie <laughs> geeks that live literally a world apart trying to coordinate a podcast with a 14-hour time difference. I mean, what does the world truly expect of us? We yeah. can't do everything. Well, I was like, I because you're a working musician, so I, I was just worried that you were like in the middle of like something something important. But nah, nah, you're just sleeping. <laughs> you think you think a working musician could ever be up to something important? <laughs> what, you, what you think I'm out here changing the world? <laughs> yeah, I'm one out song here at a making time. differences and oh <laughs> damn it! I should have let you finish that without interrupting because then I could have made that a sound bite <laughs> to promote the episode. It would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah, it, this is a just do a shameless plug for your uh, for your new song. Changing the world one song at a time. I'm not doing shit for nobody. In fact, can we? I was gonna. Oh, sorry. Say what? <laughs> I said, can we do a one guy's seen it of your, um, one guy's heard it with your new single and we have to uh, <laughs> see how many uh, beers it takes to listen to, to your single? Yes, yes. But we have to snag people in a really predatory way. <laughs> like we need to um, have the song play right after the break. So people are like on the edge of their seat waiting to, <laughs> to hear us react to the movie. Yeah. And then I'm like. You know, side note, I just put a song out, so they have to listen to it. <laughs> it's brought to you by Jeff, Jeff's Music. Yes. That's our only yes. sponsor, is your, is your music. Yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of is, though. I mean, you have all the, like, recording equipment, and, like, you edit our voices to make them sound better than they actually are. I don't know, man. I, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> Everybody's just faking it, you know? Yeah. That's what you know. It's it's funny. It's the same thing with with recording music. Like every every producer has their own preferences and whatever. Like it's funny. I remember when we first decided we wanted to do this. I was I was like, you know, all YouTubing how, how to make your you know podcast sound better than every other podcast. And it's like every every audio engineer tutorial on YouTube has a completely different plugin chain. Completely different ideas about like what your input level should be, how much compression you should use, and like when it comes down to it, all of them are like it really just depends on like what you're, what you're trying to sound like. And I decided <laughs> that we are trying to sound like one guy's seen it, so that means absolutely nothing. And nothing just yet. Fucking tweak it. Nothing yet. <laughs> nothing yet, dude. I was so I was late this morning. I'm shamelessly sorry about it. Um, shamefully, shamefully sorry about it. I was, I was up all night with some bad taco cabana that I seriously regret. And, and so, so I'm, I'm like, I'm going back and forth to the bathroom, right? All night, just a little TMI for our audience out there. And, and on, like I'm on YouTube just trying to watch stuff to fall asleep. And I just keep getting suggested 9-11 stuff, right? Cause it's 9-11. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 22nd anniversary and it's just all these videos and and there was this new um there was like this uh i guess it's a newer version of an old like i guess back in back in 02 or maybe it was 2010 i can't remember when the original one was done 
but this documentary crew created like a video booth and had a bunch of people with their own stories from that day kind of come in and talk about their experience and it ended up i think being a really popular documentary i can't remember the name of it but they they did like a 20 years later reboot where they brought all the same people back in to talk about it again and God damn it. Once I started watching 9-11 stuff, I can't stop watching 9-11 stuff. <laughs> you know, so then it was like, hoop, come back, watch the plane hit the tower. Hoop, come back, listen to somebody's horrible story of survival. Hoop, come back. It was just, man, it was this like feedback loop of tragedy and horror and bowel movements. And man, it was... And now here I am. <laughs> well, I'm glad but, you but survived. But shout out to our 9-11 heroes, man. Yeah. I still remember, I think I was in second grade, and I remember being in like the public, or I guess it was the, it was a library, like a school library, and I'll, I'll never forget, it. like I don't remember shit from <laughs> first through the fifth grade, right? But like, I remember every detail of that day, because we were sitting there, and our librarian was reading us like a Nancy Drew book. And I just remember her getting a phone call and just like the look on her face. I think it was her husband calling her. And she just like ran. I mean, we're a bunch of second grade children. And she runs over to the TV and turns it on. And I just remember oh. seeing those buildings and like just not having any idea what was going on. And like we all got shuffled into the chapel. Yeah. And I remember our principal and the principal coming out and being like, you know, it's a very sad day for our country. We're going to call your parents and we're going to pray and have everyone take you home. And, you know, we're in second grade, like we're seven years old. Like I remember me and my buddies were like, hell yeah, we can go home and play Pokemon Gold version all day. <laughs> we were so hyped about it. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's crazy. Like I remember my parents picking me up in the car and looking back at me. And which is the most serious look on their faces I've ever seen being like, you know, something really horrible happened today in our country. It's very scary. People are going to be acting strange. You know, you're not really going to be able to understand it. But just, you know, I just remember them trying to explain it to me. And all I cared about was like, where is my Capri Sun? Like, where's my ju juice box and my snack? Yeah. Like, I just want to get home. And uh, yeah, it's, cr it's crazy. Your, um, your teacher would roll in the I mean, I I'm sure it was so crazy you weren't even they weren't even really thinking about it but like watching it as an eight-year-old there's no way you would be able to comprehend what's what's going on yeah and to be fair like she turned it off relatively quickly like i i think her husband called her and was like turn on the tv yeah <laughs> like yeah you know i don't think he i mean most people just didn't could didn't have words for what was going on like yeah it, the, like the whole time i was watching that uh that documentary on youtube like there were all these other suggested videos coming up and one of them was like this rare footage of of Regis and Kelly, like their morning show, um, it sort of unfolding live as they were doing their morning show, and it was crazy because they had just started doing the intro when they when they got news that the first explosion had happened. Yeah, and, and you know yeah. it's crazy that that most people didn't realize. I mean, how could you possibly realize it? Because so few people actually saw the first plane hit that everyone just assumed. It was an explosion at first, and then that it was a plane, and well, that has to be an accident. And then as soon as, you know, you've got every camera in the world on the World Trade Center when that second plane hits. And just the collective moment when, like, everyone in the world realized that this was not an accident. Mm -hmm. And seeing, seeing fucking Regis Philbin, the pro <laughs> that he is with his years of radio and TV experience just handling that shit like a pro like i almost want to send you a link so you can, yeah i mean like there's no precedent for how to act when you're on national television doing a, a chipper cheerful morning show when something like that happens no it's and like kelly gets your better instincts as a morning show yeah host. yeah and kelly rippa was just a mess like she she could not she, she just couldn't handle it she was uh she was a complete mess and anyway kudos rest in peace regis he yeah handled that shit like a fucking champ yeah i um, i think you and i have the same like fascination with tragedy we're both obsessed with world war ii and 9-11 and and all kinds of crazy stuff like that but um it's interesting you say that because i remember i was i was real little i was so i had a bit of a different experience because um i was like four and i don't remember much about the day the only thing i remember which is weird because I don't remember much from being four, but I remember right. being home 
and my mom in the bedroom crying and then I was just like in the other room and had no idea why anything was going on. Um, so it's like I didn't really know much about 9-11 till years later. Like I had no frame of reference. Like nobody really told me because I was four. There's no way I'm going <laughs> to get what's yeah, going yeah. on. You, yeah, you probably can't even really comprehend it until you're at least several years older. And yeah. Even then, you can't really comprehend it. I think, too, my my mom was a little more freaked out because my dad, and I, I got to ask him if he was because I don't actually know for sure, but he would fly back and forth between San Antonio and and New York all the time when I was a little kid. So he might have actually been in the area. I got to ask him if he was actually in New York at the time. I don't know. It's wild, man. Yeah, it's wild. And I, I don't know what it is, you know, you mentioned that we've, we've, we've both of us are so interested in, in war history and and tragedy. And it's like sometimes I, I I I try to look inward and figure out what that like what that fascination's about. And I think it's just that inherently it's so hard. I think it's like a survival mechanism. Like the reason people are so interested in tragedy and learning about it and like the psychology of the people that perpetrate these things. It's like I think it inherently it's almost like a survival mechanism like we want to understand why these things happen they're so shocking and hard to comprehend and it's like we want to understand it so that we can i feel like it's a survival thing so that we can like somehow in some small way like be prepared if yeah we ever like i think one of my biggest fears is finding myself in a situation like that and not doing the right things in order to survive and help the people around me. Right. And it's like, there's this thing where it's like, I want to, I want to be prepared. So I want to learn everything that I can about how those things unfold. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's and interesting. I, and I think people think about that as morbid, but I, I personally don't, I think it's, it's fascinating. And I think there's a rich like history and it's horrific, but I think it, I think like what you said, it's important to, uh, have those tools as like a um a base so you're not caught off guard by anything really and um and i think people of our dad's generation are obsessed with world war ii too so i think that also comes with that um just because it's an endlessly it's like tragedy every tragedy you can think of you know encapsulated in what five or six years or whatever it was yeah yeah Anyway, not talking about that anymore. Um. <laughs> no, yeah, hey, and and shout out to anybody to anybody who lost friends or family. Yeah. On that on that day of infamy. Yeah. Um, crazy, crazy, crazy shit. Um, and we will always remember. I, I it's it's hard to think about. Like, I was reading this this article about how many soldiers you know, they're you know coming fresh out of boot camp that that weren't alive yeah <laughs> when it happened yeah and yeah a bunch of you know it's oh i'm sorry no 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 it's okay it's just it's it was, it was like a i think it was like a new york times article or something but it was talking about these these like drill sergeants and that are that are trying to explain to people what it was like and and, and it it was the article was talking about how it just it doesn't last like even you're briefly talking about it and it's so hard for for people who who weren't alive during during that event and then the 20 years of war that followed to really comprehend it because the focus is so heavily on China and Russia right now yeah that, that just seems like such a distant past to new soldiers that weren't alive for it and like that 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 was the first time I have truly felt old as fuck yeah that like the conflict in Afghanistan and everything post 9/11 the conflict in Iraq like all of that is just a distant memory to new soldiers right now that they just weren't even alive for it like that's bananas yeah and you and you think about it too like for the vietnam kids um who were maybe some of them not even alive when uh, the atomic bombs dropped you know they had no frame of reference for that anymore either yeah and it's just that's even that's almost more wild but yeah it comes in cycles like that where it's just like there's just a new thing that, that defines a generation and that's like that's our that was like probably our most formative like tragedy during our childhood. Most people um, our age. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, this is one guy seen it. Remember nine <laughs> eleven. Remember. 
Remember all of our heroes, our fallen heroes, and the heroes that continue to fall as a result of all of the fucking bullshit <laughs> medical issues they're dealing with from being at ground zero for a year and cleaning up yeah. the wreckage and fi I mean, fi fuck all that shit, man. Shout all out to John Stewart for still fighting for that. That's still that's pretty amazing. Yeah, man. He's he's okay. That's that talking about John Stewart and can be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah. We have to we gotta move on here. All right. This is one guy seen it. what are we what are we oh what are we drinking? Let's oh, let's, um, let's drink. Well, I started drinking this um green tea thing today. And uh I don't really like green tea, and this is a really horrible bitter flavor. Um, but I was like trying to drink something to keep me up uh for the podcast. And uh, it's 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 weird because in Japan they have a lot of drinks that they label as like health drinks. Like there's a there's an energy drink I buy sometimes. It's like labeled a health drink, but it's just a it's just a Red Bull. Like if you like look at it any deeper, right? Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. But this one claims that it burns fat, which I don't know if that's true at all. It doesn't seem true, but but I've been drinking that, and I just opened a uh, Kieran beer, Kieran Prime Brew beer. Nice. So you're kind of double fisting. You're 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 getting the health energy benefits, <laughs> and then the beer in the other hand. Yeah, I, but my mouth tastes like dog shit right now. So nice. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a I'm drinking a fresh cup of of HEB coffee with some Bailey's mixed in there, mm. and it is delicious. Some nice. Bailey's Irish cream. You know, sometimes I, I throw a little uh, little Jim Beam in there with the with the Bailey's. That's that's just as good, man. Yeah, a little bit of cinnamon. It's it's my shit. Cinnamon. Okay, okay. What are we? We got to be expedited here. Give me yeah. give me some hints. Let me try to guess this. Okay. Um. Well, this is first. This is the first movie that I've done that was based off a true story, and uh, this is actually like, it's pretty close to what happened. There there are little bits uh that are done in the movie to um, uh, change certain details so it's not um like a biopic or anything, but it's, uh, yeah, based on a true story. Happened in uh, 1972, but the movie was shot in 1975, um, starring Al Pacino, uh, John Cazale, and uh, Chris Sarandon, who, um, if you uh, remember The Princess Bride, he is um, uh, Prince Humperdinck in the movie. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, he I love him. He plays a great role in it, um, and it, he's almost unrecognizable if you don't know who he is. Um Cool. Uh, so the plot is uh, three amateur bank robbers plan to hold up a bank. Unfortunately, things become a bizarre nightmare as everything that could go wrong does. That's the um, IMDb plot synopsis. So it sounds. A oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> it makes it sound a little more like action y than it is, uh, which is not really the movie, but it is, uh, it is a classic. I will say that. Is this is this is this that mo is this the story where the the bank robbers think that if they like rub lemon pledge on them it makes them invisible? <laughs> uh no. Okay. <laughs> there was some like ridiculous true story I heard the other day where it was like these guys read something that if they like covered themselves with lemon juice it would like make them invisible and they tried to rob a bank. <laughs> Covered in lemon juice. Okay, I was yeah. Okay, yeah, different story. A, Moving on. That sounds like an amazing story too. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to I'll have to find that. Just link. following a bunch of schizophrenics. That are <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay, give me the title. No, uh, it's called Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, okay. I've heard of this. Yeah, it's super famous movie. Um, pr pretty ahead of its time for 1975. It touches on some really interesting topics that I don't think. Especially in 1975, I don't even think would have been touched on even 20 years ago in some cases, and um, I think they got away with it because it's you know based on a true story and it's that it actually happened this way. Um, but they do a really good job, and they have like a lot of um, emotional, like they have a lot of empathy for the characters, and they don't like punch down to uh, any anyone in particular. Um, I don't want to give too much away because I don't want to spoil the twists and turns, but uh, really, really great movie. The plot has been parodied a bunch of times, so you've probably seen versions of it and like, um, in like cartoons or something like that, like Simpsons or Family Guy or something. Sweet. Um, but it's a a wonderful film. I highly, 
high uh, high marks. It's um, <laughs> I think. high marks. No, you can't. You can't give it a, a oh, score yes. <laughs> before I even watch it. What if I hate it? What if I you shit all over it. this yeah. movie? If you hate it, please. What tell if me. I Taco Cabana diarrhea all over this <laughs> fucking piece of shit movie? I, I mean, that's what I did with uh, they cloned Tyrone last week. I was actually reading. <laughs> I was actually reading reviews of everybody just fawning over this movie, and I was like, yeah, I felt so justified. Even more so. I was like, yeah, you fucking idiots. You don't even know what you're talking about. Hey, you know, and I know I know you were worried you were too harsh on it, but when I was going yeah. back through and, and editing it. You you weren't. You were just I mean, <laughs> all of your all of your points were valid. <laughs> yeah, they and were, I um Yeah, I uh yeah, I was I was yeah, I was just worried I was like I didn't want to like just say it was like a horrendous piece because it's not. It's not like a horrible piece of shit. Like there are Good qualities. I just think the other good qualities are from other. It's other okay to think that something was divinely uninspired <laughs> and still appreciate it for what it is and yeah. and the job that it's trying to do. That's that's hey, that's what we do here on One Guy's Scene. We watch movies <laughs> and talk about them. Yeah, I think that's what we are gonna do with this movie. Yeah, I think the only thing that annoyed me about that is everybody was acting like it was so original. I was like, nah, <laughs> nah. But anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. Not to. That's no, a, that's okay. We got a whole other podcast about that if you want to listen to that. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. So we are going to go watch this movie. Um, this is one guy's seen it. I am going to decide. You know, it's funny. In the intro for this podcast, I always say um, one guy's going to try to convince the other guy to see it. I feel like I got to drop that. We're always going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> like, what, like we maybe I should just do one where you, you're you really excited about it and you do all this prep and you're like, you, you tell me about the plot. And I'm like, nah, that's it for today. No, thanks. <laughs> I think we're just going to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's no. Let's do something else. I should have done that we're last gonna week. We're always going to watch the like, fucking movie. I would have been like, nah, I don't, don't want to watch that. <laughs> Dude, you should have. No, that would have been a fucking hilarious curveball. No, that just would have been mean. I just would have been you're like, tell me all about it. I'm like, nah, I don't think so. Yeah, just save that for for when you're really mad at me. <laughs> I and was, then, and then just if you had picked one today, I would have done it to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, we're gonna go watch you. this movie. We'll be back with one guy's seen it. Remember when you hear that trumpet? It's on, Jack. Spoilers on the horizon. All right, we're back with one guy seen it. <laughs> We've just witnessed Al Pacino's acting masterclass <laughs> in Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day. It was a Dog Day Afternoon. Dude, please tell me he got an Oscar for this. <laughs> Somebody, he had to oh. have gotten an Oscar for this. Sadly, no. <laughs> what? He didn't get one for The Godfather. He didn't get one for Dog Day Afternoon. For Scarface, did any did any anybody win? Did it win like Best Picture or something? It had to have won something. Nominee nominated no, maybe. It it was nominated for a bunch of things. Hold on, let me look it up. I'll see uh, everything it was nominated for. Um, because if it didn't get yeah. nominated, that's a big con job. The whole thing's a big con job. Yeah, well, uh, to be fair, I think they had some pretty stiff competition. Here, I'm gonna look it up on my computer, but uh, just so I don't mess anything up, because there was some. It was quite a year, if I remember correctly, but I still think Dog Day Afternoon is uh, is in a league of its own. Um, hold on. Yes, it was an elite. Oscar. It was an elite film. <laughs> an elite picture. It was. <laughs> it was an elite picture film. I, I. While you're looking that up, I. I was just saying earlier. Um, I. And I don't know how completely accurate I was, but I really tried to keep track of how many times I heard Al Pacino say "yeah." Yeah, <laughs> and I, I counted thirty-eight. But um, if somebody is watching this movie so, and and t tell me that my you know tweet us or <laughs> x us at one guy's seen it and and tell me <laughs> what the actual number of years was, because how many how many little years are in there? Well, okay, so uh, Al Pacino lost out to Jack Nicholson for. Uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh, fucking knack, knack, Jickelson, ruining everything. Have you seen? Have you seen one flew? No, over the cuckoo's nest? throw it on the list. <laughs> it's on there, but um, pretty understandable. Although I would have given the edge to Al Pacino personally. Yeah, it was and it then, was stellar, man. I mean, he he, I mean, shit. Like eighty percent of the movie was just close-ups on him, just fucking <laughs> acting his ass off. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, looking through this right now, yeah, they got snubbed in every single category. God damn. And lost to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest for Best Picture. The, <laughs> the nominees that year for Best Picture were One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Barry Lyndon, uh, Stanley Kubrick joint, um, Dog Day Afternoon, Jaws, and then Nashville, which is pretty uh, famous in its own right. So, I mean, this is fucking stacked year. Yeah, not gonna some lie. stiff competition. Yeah, but I I think Dog Day Afternoon is my favorite out of all those movies. Uh, so, so I don't know. To each its own. It was to their own. It was so good, man. You know, it's funny. There was... Um, I, I'm so mad at myself because there was a moment um, when... Um, uh, when when Chris Sarandon's character shows up, and uh, oh, yeah. uh, Leon, that was his name, right? The the, the yeah. lover, the wife. Um, I was so yeah. mad at myself because I, I had the thought, I had the full on thought that like, wow, this like this is so progressive for 1975, and I had to stop myself before I realized it's a fucking true story. It's not it's not progressive. It's just what happened. <laughs> like yeah. I'm over here like, oh wow, it's so ballsy on the. On the right. on the writer's part, it's like I will, and that's okay. So that's kind of where I want to start. So I know this this is a true story. I mean, how yeah. do you do you know how detailed the accounts of what? I mean, the whole thing was just surreal. Like it it felt yeah. like I'm curious how accurate sort of what went on inside the bank was. I guess I guess they have plenty of firsthand accounts. All the hostages survived. Um, he's, yeah. he survived. So, I mean, I'm assuming there I, were extensive interviews and they got a, all, all <laughs> of this info. Well, they, uh, interviewed the real Sonny for, um, for the movie. And, uh, I think there are bits of him like in the screenplay, like things that he did. Um, I think the stuff between the characters and, um, especially the John Cazelle part was fictionalized for the movie, uh, just to make it work and for like character stuff. But, as far as I know, yeah, with the uh, uh, Leon, the transgender wife, and um, and uh, this stuff with uh, with his wife and like how everything kind of unfolds, that's that's all pretty much true. That's pretty much how it went down, um, as far as I know. But the the scene with the mother coming to the thing, I don't think that's true, and okay. little things like that. Um, but I think. Yeah, as far as what happens in the movie, like uh, plot-wise, I th I think that's all true. What happened? That's fucking crazy. Yeah, Al Pacino and Chris Sarandon both deserved fucking Oscars for that that phone conversation. That was so yeah. great. Yeah, it's probably the best scene in the movie. Um, and I'm here, and I I want to say he didn't Chris Sarandon get it didn't get an Oscar nomination, which is fucking travesty well, and I don't, you know incredible yeah i don't know a whole lot about his his career or sort of how he's um how people think about his career my my only my only experience with him was was princess bride and he was which he was amazing in um oh he did get nominated i'm sorry he oh did. nice okay yeah um yeah i don't know a ton about him beyond that i know he was married to um susan sarandon and that's where she gets her her name ah, from. interesting so they were married, and then he just, uh, she just ended up keeping the last name because uh, I think she'd already been established in Hollywood at that time, and um, it, it, they ended up divorcing. But I think it was pretty, pretty amicable from what I've read. So I don't, Got I don't it. think there was any hard feelings. Got it. Yeah, man. I mean, overall, I, I, I really, I really, really loved it. Like, it's. I don't think it's easy to, to do a sort of real time flick like that. You know, where everything's. Yeah. Know, sort of happening in real time and because you especially when it's all sort of in one location like you really need the ensemble to be great the writing needs to be great like you can't really cut any corners anywhere and yeah to keep to keep the viewer engaged i mean inherently it's exciting because it's a fucking bank robbery <laughs> so it's not that right. difficult to stay engaged but i mean it, they're just I, I have absolutely no complaints i mean really like I just I just wrote down quotes that I loved throughout the movie. Like I mean the you know the, as far as like plot development there I mean there there were because it's a true story there's no crazy themes to talk about here. There's no you know deep narrative or metaphoric metaphorical uh games being played or whatever. Like it's just a story yeah. with incredible performances and and just yeah. some really all... hilarious moments. 
Yeah, it's it's all character based. All the like important thematic things that happen. Um, but yeah, the plot itself is pretty. It's almost like a police procedural. Like you're just kind of going through step by step what happened in the in terms of you know dealing with the uh, um, oh god oh, hostage negotiate negotiator and then him trying to figure out what to do and that was one of the things about his character that i really responded to a lot this time like thinking about him was that he was really he had his head on a swivel the whole time like he was thinking like he he had a good like sense of what to do like when even when shit was getting crazy his character in the movie he was able to you know be diplomatic and not be totally insane even though he does kind of go off the rails a yeah, couple times. Yeah, and you know, I think that's what was so entertaining about it was how, you know, especially in a situation like that where every moment, every decision, every every person involved's actions on a moment-to-moment -moment basis can drastically affect the outcome of things. Like it was it was crazy that he was constantly like it, like you said, his head was on a swivel. He managed to handle every situation that came his way, but things could have gone wrong in so many places on so many occasions. It's really just a fucking miracle that it got that far. I mean, how many yeah. how many robberies in that situation have never? I mean, every every new development in the story, I just kept telling myself, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" Like, there's no way this right. happened. <laughs> and yeah. and I know I know it was the fucking seventies and and. I, I think that's part of what made it all feel so surreal was just was knowing knowing that it really happened and and just seeing because like I've, I've watched so many movies from the 70s and, and 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 just the way that people kind of acted in films of that era and and sort of the way people in general acted during that time and just all of it's so surreal right it's just like America is on the cusp <laughs> Of, of the technological revolution and it's like it's so very close to the America that we know in so many ways and so far removed from it in so many ways and those little yeah. things that remove it from what would happen today are what make the whole thing so, so surreal and unbelievable the whole time <laughs> yeah yeah and that's always the impression I get watching old movies I was like everybody seems so well spoken and like even when things like explode or like a character goes everybody's like so polite too like it, it's a weird thing like people carried themselves differently like 50 years ago i don't i don't know if that's just you're watching a an actor version of things but every everything is so um realistic seeming like the way everybody plays off of each other and granted in the movie i think there was heavy rehearsals so they by the time they got to shooting um everybody knew their characters really really well and there was just um a general like community of people that were you know creating the, the movie um but yeah there's just such a quality about the movie that it feels like it's really happening it doesn't feel um like a hollywood movie and i, I think that's one of the charms about the movie yeah that's still like uh like doesn't date it even though it's like firmly takes place in 1972 yeah it's just a day in the life in 1972 i mean the whole the uh, here, I'm just going to start going down the lines that I loved so much that I wrote. Okay. Down. I like, I like early, early on, early on in the movie when the, when the, the henchman, the young henchman guy just bails at the very beginning and, uh, yeah. and he's trying to take the getaway car. And, oh yeah. And, and fucking, uh, Al Pacino's like, dude, take the subway. We need the car. What are you doing? What are you doing? Sal, we need the car. Sal, Get the subway. Sal. Yeah, it, it's so funny. It's like there were so many scenes where it's like, like um, Al Pacino's character. What's his? What's his fuck? Sonny. Sonny. Like Sonny, his yeah. intelligence is so questionable in so many of the scenes. Yeah. And then sometimes he just he just does the right thing, and he's just, he's smart and <laughs> and empathetic, and it's like I mean he fucking yeah. when he sees the uh, the 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 girl. What is this? A squirrel with the girl under the desk. Yeah. <laughs> I was fucking laughing my ass off. Yeah, I love the part where her uh, her husband calls, and the only thing he's concerned about is like when is dinner going to be ready? Yes, yes. All it's the people like, that were calling just added to the surreal, like just the most accommodating and well mannered bank robbery of all time. Like it just, yeah. every, it just every, it was all so comforting. Like it was funny. I had some yeah. thoughts. It's like the fact that they didn't even wear masks. 
like mm-hmm. was was bizarre to me. It's like what, what you just really wonder. And it's like I love the head teller sort of momming him the whole movie. And, yeah, and which is an interesting um thing. Sorry to cut you off. No, but, that's okay. Um, in real life, like uh, her and Al Pacino were really good friends, and there was a story about her even giving him like a place to stay when he was an aspiring actor, and she was a big reason that he ended up breaking through in Hollywood. She talked him up all the time and uh, got him uh, roles in theater productions and stuff. So she was a big component early on in his career, which I thought was interesting. Wow. That's yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, they were, you know, it's funny. They, there was, there was this moment where when, when the, um, when the cops first show up and things get frantic, uh, it was funny to me that, that a lot of the tellers reacted. They like they got one of the girls got all excited and was clapping. And it was my first thought yeah. was like, <laughs> man, in in their situation, I would be really pissed off if the cops showed up because now you know there's going to be this long extended hostage situation. Whereas they yeah. they could have just left and gotten out. And I mean, I, I, I can I so you you talked about the um, the. Uh, uh, scene the, the phone call scene with with Leon and Sonny was amazing right it's incredible mm-hmm. shit my favorite scene in the whole movie was um when he's with the bank manager early on right when the first cops get there and they're in the back room <laughs> and he's pushing the thing against the door their whole conversation yeah. there was like he's like you know yeah you're not a bad guy like that whole <laughs> it just undressed him as as a character uh sunny yeah and immediately made me empathize with him and with with everybody there and i like that that scene was magical to me i don't know what it was about it but just the, no no i i go ahead yeah. go ahead go ahead no i i agree with you completely because i think there's um yeah, there's a moment too when um, the kid leaves early on in the heist, and uh, they have this moment of frantic. Uh, they don't know what the fuck to do. Like there's just they have this whole plan, and then it gets upended by the kid wanting to leave and stuff. And I think that's also an endearing moment where it's like they are not these big masterminds. They're just these regular dudes that are desperate enough to rob a bank. Yeah. And um, but that scene you're talking about too, I think, is really important, and it just it frames it like he's um he's very much just trying to be a person like he's not trying to strong arm the guy or like intimidate him or anything he's just like telling him like this is the deal this is why i'm here yeah he's just and trying to get yeah through i agree it. that's a great scene yeah i mean the, the yeah. instant evolution from from bank robbery to show business is pretty awesome mm-hmm. like i mean as soon as sunny gets like the attica chant going he just becomes a rock star and, yeah. and and even all the hostages want like they just want to be a part of it. Like the head bank tellers like doing the <laughs> interviews and like I was just yeah. I was just losing it. I really wanted to know how much of that that really went down. I think a good majority of it actually. Um I, I don't know about all the specific little interactions like when he's on the phone uh talking to him, but it, it could be. I, I haven't looked into that into that part but yeah like the the fucking phone call with the with the the creepy dude kill them all take your bayonets and shove it in i remember being just like what the fuck and like how quickly al pacino reacted to that he was just like oh whatever bye like just the guy hadn't even gotten a sentence out i was like wait is this is this like the fifth time this guy is called saying this shit right and then he gives the phone to the girls later on and then they just start like heavy breathing (laughs) yeah Yeah. and he's like wait what what is what the fuck is this I mean, the, the, he starts freaking out. I, I think the 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 gold the, the the gold of the movie was just the relationships between the robbers and the hostages. The the it was it was what carried carried it. I mean, I guess it's it's really the only thing going on, but just the humanity of it all was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and that scene you were talking about too, when he um he's on the phone with the reporter, and he's like, and the reporter's so disconnected from reality, he's just trying to like. He's like, oh, why are you robbing a bank? Why don't you get a job? They they got money in there. That's why I'm robbing the bank. (laughs) They got money in there. (laughs) And and he's like, why don't you get a job? He's like, what's with this guy? What is he he talking about? (laughs) Dude, I I was on the floor laughing when the the Spanish guy tackles him. And Moretti Moretti runs up and he's he's like, you know how the Spanish are. You got his girlfriend in there. (laughs) Yeah, just like the casual, like he's like, oh, it's a that's a Spanish thing. That's what they do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I, I love his little thing when he's like, he's trying so hard to be like, he's like, I'm, I'm one of you. I'm one of you. Come on. And he's like patting himself down. He's like, oh, you want to frisk me? And he's like lifting his shirt. That shit always makes me laugh so yes. hard. When he's like lifting his shirt up in front of everybody. He's like, I'm not packing nothing. See? Yeah, man. I mean, that had to be a serious undertaking dealing with all those extras outside the bank. It's I'm always so obsessed yeah. with with movies where you've got these scenes with a shit ton of extras because instead of focusing what's actually going on in the scene, I can't help but just look at the extras and try to notice that they're extras. <laughs> there were so many times yeah. that they were getting corralled by the police and they're just smiling in situations where they shouldn't be smiling because yeah. we're in a movie. <laughs> like I love that shit. It's a movie. Yeah, and um, yeah, I like that line later on where he's like, um, is one of Sal's best lines in the movie where he's um, they're. This is like right when uh, Leon gets there and he's like, uh, two homosexuals inside the uh, the bank. And he's like, Sonny, you got to tell him to change that. And he's like, what do you want to do? He's so concerned. It's a freak show, <laughs> it's a freak show in here. It's a, but he's like, but I'm not a homosexual, Sonny. <laughs> he's just so. Uh, we, need to, he's so, we need to shed a collective tear for Sal. I was, it was. Oh, yeah. It was. Uh, poor guy, man. Yeah, he was so he was so concerned yeah. the whole movie with things that just didn't matter. Yeah, he's, um, uh, John Cazale's performance is so good. Because there's a moment, like, looking at him, he's got these, like, really, like, big, like, puppy dog eyes mm -hmm. almost. Like, they're big and vacant. Like, he's kind of, kind of dumb, but he's, like, not, he's not a bad guy. Like, he's, like, an endearing, sweet guy. He's just, like, there's even a scene where Sonny mentions, you know, like, killing them and throwing the bodies out the door. And he's, like, you can tell how conflicted he is the way John Cazale plays it. Yeah. He's, like, I... And he's like, but I'll do it. I'll do it. And he's so, um, he's so dead set on it. And it's really heartbreaking because he just, he's not really understanding that Sonny's just putting on a front just to mess with the cops. He just, you know, he's not really getting it. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's a little sad, but, um, do you have John any, Cazelle is do you, perfect. Yeah, you know, yeah, he was, he was awesome. I, I was, I was going to ask you if, do you have any context for, there was like when they're talking about it, they're talking about going to Algeria the whole time. They just decided to go to Algeria. <laughs> yeah. uh, when they when I forget they're talking about it and and somebody says something about Matt. Is he talking to his wife? And there's a scene with him talking to his his actual wife with the two kids was fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but was was she the one that was talking about like um like oh and they're all wearing masks in Algeria and they like oh yeah like what do you, do you a bunch any, of crazy people yeah do you have any context for what was like what was going on in algeria at the time or what that was about no i wish i did it must have been something in the news at the time that either the screenwriter wrote in or it was something that they said on the on the phones yeah um, i have no idea there there must be some context for that but i'm not sure uh actually i think he's talking to leon when he's saying that and then leon's like oh, they they wear masks they're, they're a bunch of crazy people over there yeah 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 what are you gonna do Hey, Holland is pretty good. You know, they sheltered people during the war and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I did want to say, um, before we get too further into it, um, the Attica line when he, um, yeah. So he what happened, what happened in Attica? I don't, I don't know anything. Um, it was a uh, prison riot that happened, I think the same year, like 72 maybe. Um, but it was a, yeah, it was a prison riot, um, brought on by police police brutality i think and then the prisoners rose up and uh, fought back um so it was definitely a social commentary for the time but on set that line was totally improvised they had no idea that he was going to say it on the day of and he just started screaming it and the crowd went insane what and uh and they couldn't calm the crowd down they were actually going nuts no <laughs> like, fucking really into it yeah so yeah that's a cool piece of trivia and uh, i think even um, Al Pacino credits the uh, the sound man or one of the lighting technicians was like, hey, you should say this. He's like, all right. And he just ran with it and just did it. Oh, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little disappointed because I thought that that may have been one of the few real things that happened that galvanized the crowd with him. Yeah. I'm Yeah, I'm a little. It's awesome. It's awesome trivia that that's what happened. But I'm a little bummed that that didn't really happen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of a bummer. But um the thing with um at the end with um the uh the the gay group coming and like out of the closet into the streets, I think that did actually happen after they found out that he was um uh married to a transgender woman. Yeah, what a wild what a wild story. So he was a he was a Vietnam War vet. Yeah. 
And I mean, shit, the dude needs a movie. I mean, I know this was a movie about his life, but I, I want a movie about the rest <laughs> of his life. Yeah. Yeah, I um I oh I wanna say he got released from prison, but I, I really don't know. I know he sold the film rights for the movie, and that's how Leon in real life got got her sex change operation. Holy fucking shit, that's a beautiful so. piece of trivia. <laughs> that is money in the bank, no pun intended. Yeah. yeah. Um But yeah, oh god. I wrote down way too many notes. I wrote down like six pages of stuff so um, what's the little what's details the, wait so before you get into it what's the public's like i mean so he's out of jail obviously he's been out of jail for a long time right yeah uh is he still alive yeah, i mean uh i ooh, i don't know actually um here let me look that up because uh, i'll see if i can find anything i'm genuinely curious how i mean it's it's you know hollywood's really good at making you root for guys like this but um <laughs> i'm sort of curious how really how the public reacted to it and how they react to him in history. Like when he, I mean, is he, I feel like he'd just be a celebrity once he got out. Yeah. He, um, so he died in 06. Oh shit. At 60. Um, it says he died in his mother's mother's home. Um, oh gosh. So, um, Ooh, God. Sorry, I'm reading all this right now. It's probably not interesting. No, it's okay. I, I, I was curious. Well, and, you know, so not to jump around, but I'm just jumping around because I'm slightly drunk. So, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, shit. Hold on. Fucking FaceTime coming in. So, uh, <laughs> um, so I, I really kept thinking, I just want to go back to, to Sal's death for a second. Um, yeah. I really kept thinking... The, the whole movie at some point Sal was just kind of going to snap especially toward the end when a lot of the focus was on Sonny and he was having his will written and he was taking all yeah. the phone calls and Sal was just kind of in the back room and Sonny really wasn't being accommodating of him at all I was I yeah. really thought he was just going to like lose it at some point and um so I okay well so going going to his death scene like it happened so fast. Like, walk me through what happened there. So, like, the FBI guy okay. kind of comes up yeah. to the car. And was there, was there like, did the driver have a gun on the dash? Like, I, I tried to figure out what the fuck happened. No. So, in the little uh, armrest on the door, they had, like, a little uh, trap door in there. And he just kind of flipped it open, and there was a gun hidden inside the, uh, the little trap door. And uh, so he tells... Uh, Sal to put his gun in the air, you know, because he doesn't want any accidents, accidents at this point. And then he kind of looks to the guy, and uh, Sonny's just got his rifle in his hand, like, pointed up, too. So the other FBI guy grabs the rifle and slams it against the dash, and then um, the driver turns around and shoots uh, Sal in the head. It happens... Yeah, the cuts are really quick, so it, it that's another reason that's shocking, too, because you don't even... It's like whiplash. You don't have a chance to even think. Yeah, you know, I, I was curious if that's if that's really how it went down because it seemed really risky on the count of the officers. Like they they went yeah. they went the whole movie not taking any risks whatsoever, and I, and I'm yeah. really curious how that actually went down because it seemed a little unbelievable. Yeah, I I think it must have been similar because they, they did some because even scenes in the movie the officers did some questionable things. Like I think there's even a line at the beginning when um when uh, Moretti's character is talking to the FBI, he's like, why didn't you get them when they were like trying to get out? Like, if you knew that they were in there, why did you call and let your presence be known and let them, you know, get all the hostages? He's like, well, I was, you know, just trying to uh, deflate the situation. Like, something that doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, it, which is like a real, must have been a real police blunder because it happened. Is So, I mean, I, I think it's in the realm of plausibility that they just were like, fuck it, we're tired, we're just going to take care of this now. Damn. That's nuts. Yeah, it's yeah, it's fucked. Well, get into your get into um, your get into your list of notes. What's going on? <laughs> oh yeah, gosh. Oh well, uh, I did want to call attention to the fact that um, Sonny's dad is uh, he's got a tiny part. It's like blink and you'll miss him, but it's played by Dominic Chianese. 
who is Uncle June from The Sopranos. I did notice that. Fucking awesome. <laughs> he just did not look anything like himself, but I fucking knew it was him. <laughs> yeah, a little, uh, little bit part. Um, I think he was in Godfather Part 2 the year before. He had a tiny part in that also. Um, but yeah. Pretty um, cool. Yeah, I you know, one thing I did want to talk about too is like, you know, it for a movie that takes place in one location, then you think, okay, it's taking place in one location, it's gonna be kinda kinda slow, character driven, but rewatching it this time I was like, it's really not. It's really fast paced for like probably half the movie. Like things just keep happening and happening and happening. Uh for like the first hour of the movie, I feel like. Yeah. Like you don't really get a chance to breathe between scenes like they walk out and like talk to someone and then they walk back in the phone's ringing and they're already doing something else yeah no i was like, on the edge of my couch the whole time <laughs> yeah and i think things start to slow down at the end when you know the reality of the situation hits and especially with those two two phone calls it's really um i think it's probably my favorite thing that al pacino's ever done acting wise I just no think shit about as good as you can get um just because the reason that um is because it is all done in one take also on his side because they intercut with um uh, the well his two wives I suppose but um they they intercut that whole scene but it's really just a long take of him uh in between that and they only did it twice so there's a scene or there's like a little moment like at the end of the speech where he like puts his hands against his face and like kind of presses them against his cheeks and uh off screen the director's telling him he's like run it again like from the beginning <laughs> holy shit and that was his reaction so the scene the his take that you see in the movie is the second take wow more exhausted exacerbated one wow so it's it's yeah it's really really well done and um there's just the way he portrays like this manic paranoia is really um it's exciting and it's uh exhausting too mm -hmm. it's just it's perfectly done yeah he was absolutely phenomenal yeah and um oh god i wrote, <laughs> I wrote down way too much um um oh there there is a scene when um the the cop is um talking to leon and just trying to get a sense of who sonny is and uh, he basically describes, you know, that he tried to kill himself and that um, they've had this really fraught marriage. And he's kind of not a really great guy. <laughs> he's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, and I was a little I was a little uh, lost in a couple of places when Leon's talking about him putting like putting a gun to his head. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there were there were a few things that didn't really add up for me. And I don't remember if if the actual wife, Angie. Uh, had said something about about him, like they were they were at a at a carnival or whatever, and the kids were getting on a ride, and oh, he's gonna bury me and put me in the river and shoot me. I don't I don't remember. Yeah. If she said that he put a gun, but clearly he was kind of losing his shit right before all of this. Yeah, yeah, I think he had said similar things to both of them about um, yeah, like killing them or you know, it just um, empty threats. But we don't really have any context for how bad those situations were. But from Leon's reaction, it, it seems like it was bad enough to have him be terrified to even talk to him. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he uh, he says a line at the end, like after he um, Leon tries to commit suicide, and he just mentions that Sonny said something when he woke up. He's like, why, Leon, when things were going so well? Yeah. When everything you've heard, like obviously they're not going well at all, which I just think it says so much about his character that that one little line he's he's able to just kind of push all the bad shit out of his mind until it just explodes into you know what, what you see in the movie i suppose yeah into madness and you see the sort of madness of their relationship where at the end of it with everything going on they just kind of they get through all that and they're just kind of back to normal and it's you know bye love you yeah <laughs> yeah and uh yeah an interesting thing with the phone call scene too is like i noticed this time he um he uh he uses the same thing with um with both his wives where he's like I'm dying here and Leon's the only one to call him on it and be like yeah you're dying up here like what about the people around you like basically telling him he's full of shit yeah you know it's your own fault 
And then um, he says the same thing to uh, Angie, his other wife, and um, she basically just goes on this tirade totally about herself and doesn't really talk about him at all. And he just gets frustrated and, you know, slams the phone down. And it's just, it's interesting character stuff and character work. Um, I don't know, just little little things I thought were yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think... Oh, I, I did want to mention the Wyoming line because I think that's my favorite line of the movie. <laughs> which is which was hey, which was very exciting to me because I'm I'm going to the Texas Wyoming game this weekend. So, um, oh yeah, yeah, I'll be in uh, in Austin. Yeah, in Austin, but um, I think it's the first time. I think it's gonna be the first time Texas has played Wyoming in a bajillion years. We did, for the record. D- sorry, I, I am a I'm a diehard Texas Longhorns <laughs> fan and alumni. We just took down. The Alabama Crimson Tide for the first time <laughs> since I don't even know when the fuck we beat Nick Saban at home by double digits. It's the first time Alabama has lost a game by double digits at home since under Nick Saban. Sumner, they were 52 <laughs> and 1 at home before we won yeah. this game. And I am so proud. <laughs> To not say that Texas is back because fuck that shit, but Texas is elite <laughs> and we are on the way back. And Bevo Boulevard, Bevo Boulevard on Saturday is going to be off the chain and I am so hyped about it. Sorry, little college football <laughs> oh. segue there, but yes, Wyoming, get back to it. <laughs> Man, I wish I was there. That sounds awesome. I'm so ready. <laughs> um, yeah, the Wyoming line. Um is an is another um, great improvised line by uh, John Cazell. Oh shit, that was improv. That's amazing. Yeah, he just looks at him and he just Wyoming. with a straight face is like, "Is there any special country you want to go to?" And he's Wyoming. That's so cool <laughs> that they played it off and just kept writing with it. Yeah, <laughs> when he's talking to his wife. Yeah. Or he, who's he talking to? Where he's like, you know, you know, Sal thinks Wyoming's another country. <laughs> who's he talking to? <laughs> is it is it Angie? Uh, Leon. Oh, it's Leon. Leon. Yeah, it is. It is Leon. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that little bit, like, yeah, it tells you so much about um, John Cazell's character. But yeah, I love the way Al Pacino just rolls with it. He's like, uh, Wyoming's not a not a country, so yeah, that, that's okay. I'll, I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and shout out to Leon, who's now living as a woman in in New York. Good on you, Leon. <laughs> well, I don't know if I don't know if she's still alive, but yeah, I, I'd have to look that up. Uh, but uh, happy ending there. I'm hoping so. <laughs> hoping so. Yeah, and I did want to say there's um, I don't know if you noticed this, but um, Pacino does this thing the whole time where he's kind of like um, he like widens his eyes and like pulls his um, pulls his mouth back a lot, and um, watching it this time he does it so frequently I was like it's like it's almost like a Tourette's thing like a like a tick like every time he does it. Interesting, I didn't I didn't really I didn't stressed. pick up on it. Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional or if that was just literally just him. So stressed out, he was just making faces through some of the scenes. But um, yeah, just a, just an interesting little detail I thought was interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I, yeah, I was I was absolutely blown away by his performance. Everybody, the whole ensemble was awesome. I'm a big fan of this movie, and I am so grateful to you for showing it to me. Yeah, I mean, off the heels of um, The Godfather, I mean, like, it's, talk about polar opposite performances. Yeah, yeah, for real. And um, yeah, and uh, John Cazell was in Godfather, also, which is, I think it was a big reason he uh, pushed for Al Pacino to be in, or sorry, John Cazell to be in the movie. Um, but on the page, it was written for like an eighteen-year-old blonde Italian kid. Oh, weird! And so he didn't fit the description at all. But um, they were so good together; their chemistry was awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I, that's why he pushed for him so hard. He's like, I. He's like, I just know that it'll just work with John better than anybody. So that's, he got the role in the movie and I think it's better for him being in it. But anyway, that's, that's all I got to say well, about it. That's awesome. Yeah. We're, we're wrapping up here at the end of one guy seen it. Sumner, it's time to give it our rating on a scale of one to five <laughs> beers. How many did you need to enjoy dog day afternoon? <laughs> it is so boring, but um, yeah, one. Yeah. Maybe even less. Because I was like, I was writing notes so often, I didn't even have time to drink my beer during the <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
a practical answer. I'm gonna say none. I'm gonna say none. I oh. I really really loved it. I'm gonna give it. I don't know if that's my first perfect score. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I would have given it none too because because you, you I, physically I we couldn't always, even drink in, your beer. Well, no. Um, because we always say it's better with at least one beer. That's, I thought that was a perfect. God, beer. it's true. It's true. You know what? Uh, okay. Okay. Maybe maybe but maybe I, we revise the scale, right? Maybe no movie. <laughs> No, no, we can't revise the scale. We we can still give a movie a zero beer score and say that every movie is better with at least one beer. Because <laughs> because we had one anyway. Yeah, because hypocritically I had one anyway, but it was a choice, it wasn't necessary. See, there's some Yeah. There's some complexity caveats. to this scale, some caveats, but that's what makes the scale beautiful and perfect in every way. 